0: This podcast is brought to you by A.J. Bell and Shares Magazine. Shares Magazine is published by A.J. Bell Media, part of A.J. Bell. Hi, welcome back to Money & Markets. I'm Laura from A.J. Bell and with me is Dan from Shares Magazine. Hi. This week we're joined by Simon Mullica from the A.J. Bell Investment Team. Hi. So this week, we're going to be looking at celebrity fund managers, why a company hiking prices is good news for investors, and the billions of forgotten shares that you could be missing out on.
1: Well, that's right, because this week we've seen Nestle and Unilever both report to pick up in sales after they managed to charge higher prices for their products. You might think that's just normal way of doing business, but actually, it's quite hard for companies to go in and say, here we go, we're going to charge more without actually putting a risk to demand for their goods. You have to remember that we can't all afford to buy everything no matter what people want to charge us for it. Um, so from an investment perspective, why is it important? We're starting to something called pricing power. that um, kind of indicates really good, strong companies can afford to make bold decisions like pushing up their prices. Um, We've actually seen it as well with Procter & Gamble this week as well. And it told analysts investors on a conference call that it was thinking about pushing up its own prices and that actually triggered a quite a big hike in its share price.
0: Um, so one of the examples that i can think of for this would be apple and you're going to correct me if i'm wrong here but they obviously constantly seem to hike the price of their iphones and people still pay the money for them which is obviously good news for shareholders right
1: well i guess so but with apple's quite an interesting example when it launched the iphone i guess it didn't really have much competition around so you thought it's got a free reign to come up with this great snazzy idea but as you saw the smartphone market develop over the years actually you know customers or consumers, I'd rather, I should say, is they've got a greater alternative um, products that they can buy. And actually, Apple sort of struggled a bit, but it seems to bounce back, back once every six months with either a new product or some fancy gadgets. But, you know, it, it is actually a really hard thing to do. Um, perhaps another one people might be thinking about now is Netflix. You know, if you, if you had an email through and you said, oh, you know, with Netflix, can we add another couple of quid onto our money that we charge you every month? I reckon that most people will probably go, yeah, all right, it's not too bad, is it? I mean, it's pretty low price point at the moment, but I guess there's got to be some other things which you think, okay, enough's enough. I'm not going to pay this extra money. Um, So it's one of those sort of things that sort of bubbles in the background. But actually, if you're thinking about investing in companies, I reckon it's something you should think about a bit more bit more importantly
0: but how can you assess pricing power then how can you determine a company that has the ability to hike prices that was in this week and those where they'd end up losing customers if they did
1: I guess you need to look at trends for profit margins so that's what it all comes down to if you've got something like Unilever is saying um, it was in the you know it's in the news a couple of years ago talking about Marmite that's one of its products um, so it was saying that sterling had fallen so the costs of importing raw materials to make the good old Marmite had gone up um, the way to see if companies have got pricing power is that if they pass on those raw materials to the customer, uh, theoretically, the price, the profit margin should stay the same. Um, I guess the ones that you've got to spot if they've got weak pricing power is when they've got consistent downtrend in the profit margin.
0: So we should probably sound the Brexit claxon here, but there could be potential implications for this in a, in a tricky Brexit scenario where Sterling falls again and we have a similar situation to Marmite game, right?
1: Absolutely. If you've got companies, that, particularly if they buy stuff from abroad, um, you know whether they, they might have either done some forward planning and done stockpiling now for certain things, but sometimes you just can't do that, um, they will tend to probably look at you know, what's the state of the consumer? Can they risk it or, or do they take a short-term hit to prices perhaps if all, that's what all their competitors are doing but longer term you know the the good and the great are going to be able to sneak those prices back up um, I mean it's a it's sort of thing that you, you perhaps want to you definitely want to take a look at I mean one of the reasons why pricing power is pretty important is actually it's I would say it's probably one quite high up the list of something that a fund manager would look for in a company um, you know they'll have a good idea of um, you know who, who is strong and who is who is weak um, and actually that sort of brings us nicely on to the concept of um, you know which fund managers should you actually follow because um, it seems to be that there's got increasing focus on star fund managers particularly ones that Um, You see in the papers every day. So Simon, can we actually think about the concept of farm managers? Um, Are there enough people out there that actually the everyday person knows or is actually we thinking for a staff and manager only exists in in, in an industry where people are following it closely?
2: I think, yes, there are actually some very high profile um, fund managers that people probably outside the investment industry also do recognise um, as household names. Um, I think we can obviously name people like Terry Smith, Neil Woodford, um, Angus Tullock, uh, Harry Nemo. So yeah, I do think there's an extensive list. Um, and I guess the common... Trait that a lot of these um, individuals share really is, is, is there's a couple of points here is that they usually have a very disciplined process that they can articulate well and use time and time again. They're generally also very long-term in nature as well, Um, and I guess thirdly, quite unique as well. The types of stocks they um, are willing to invest in and the portfolios they're willing to construct look quite different to the index um, and very different to the peers as well. So they're not um, scared to stand out um, and also um, invest actually against the herd, which is something we do like.
0: So how much is it that they're really good fund managers and how much is it that people just have heard their name because they've been around for a long time and they've they've had some pretty good track record and so they think, oh, I'll invest with them because that feels like someone that I know and has been around for a while?
2: Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting debate. Um, I mean, clearly a fund manager's reputation grows when maybe they've had, um, it's on the back of a solid um, performance um, period, um, their popularity grow and then fund flows flow into that vehicle. Um, the next point really is whether they then can continue to um, marry on that success with with a larger fund, um, potentially um, if they're more involved in small caps and that can present some more difficulties and i guess i'd highlight someone like a harry nimmo where potentially you could argue his style has drifted up slightly now that may be for for good reason maybe it's the types of companies he bought that were small caps that turn into mid caps and and even larger cap type names that are still very successful and he likes and he deservedly should give them some capital Um, but also it could be the argument that he now is running too much um, money so it, it is a tough one to to marry up
0: I think one of the interesting ones recently is um, Terry Smith, who's recently launched a new investment trust, and it became the largest fund raise ever for an investment trust beating Woodford. Um, but he's not actually physically running the money there. It's at his asset management house, and he's obviously going to have a kind of oversee it. But it's actually two other fund managers running the money. So we've got to a maybe a slightly strange scenario where you've got these star fund managers that are well-known that are managed to attract large sums of money for, for money they're not even directly running.
2: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it, actually? Um, when you think about it, the name on the door doesn't always run the money and maybe the success of that individual um, stems a lot of the flow into that firm. Um, I mean, sometimes if a firm has a, a certain style or a philosophy, a um, way of running money, you can educate other individuals to um, to be able to run money consistently in, in that manner too. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Um, People are allowed to retire. For example, Ian Spreadbury of Fidelity has recently announced his plans to retire. Now, this is always going to be the case when we work with people. So being able to... um, make sure there's a consistent flow of education and um, individuals around in the firm that can continue the success, it isn't a bad thing at all. Um, I do think, though, we have to be very careful when we talk about this star um, fund manager mentality and the idea of of possibly just following um, someone's reputation. I think it's very important for people to look under the bonnet. They have to understand what they're buying. They have to do their research. If they're not able to do their research, then potentially they should outsource um, that research capability to others and um, but it is really important that someone understands exactly what they're buying and um, even if it's a successful strategy just because it's right for one investor it may not be right for another one
0: so are you, better, are you better sticking with those well-known fund managers or kind of hunting out the stars of tomorrow or the rising star fund manager? Because we've obviously got examples of um, Woodford's had problems with his performance recently, and that might be market-related, or it might be that he's lost his way. So are you better hunting out the kind of younger, maybe hungrier um, fund managers of the future?
2: I think that's a very interesting question. Um, and I, I'd go through the list with maybe a few more names. I'd, ex- I'd expand the list. So Richard Buxton, Tom DeBell. Now, the, the star managers we've spoken about today and those included as well have all gone through periods of tough times um, no fund manager is going to be able to consistently outperform it and we don't expect them to and you know there, like, there lies the point again about understanding what the fund and the expectations of that fund you're going to get um, we at AJ Bell do pay a lot of attention to fund research um, and we do want to unearth those new newer, up and coming fund managers too we absolutely do now that's not to say we're about to trust an individual with no track record with no with little experience and maybe no resource around them absolutely not um, but i do think it is key to pay attention to who the up-and-coming fund managers are but if something goes wrong does a ston- if someone's sort of deemed to be
1: a star fund manager do you think they're under incredible pressure because of their they've got a high profile that they need to correct their mistake and they potentially deviate from their Sort of proven investment process and, and they could sort of make decisions simply to sort of catch up with performance. Do, have, you, have you ever seen sort of examples of that?
2: I don't think so, and actually, I'd, I'd nearly argue the opposite. Um, I think the fact that they're high profile managers means that they've shown that they can repeat their process um, time and time again in different types of market environments. So, I actually think the fact that they stick to a disciplined process is obviously a good thing. I think we should out. Un- should absolutely um, expect periods of underperformance um, they are trying to do something very different from their index and their peers um, and I think we need to allow them time um, to be able to correct it but I don't think it necessarily um, means that they'll increase risk um, because they understand what it is to be a disciplined investor. Okay
1: but what what about the opposite do you think that the more they become famous and you know the example of Terry Smith attracting all this money for the Smithson Fund. Does fame actually go to their head, and do they try and do launch new products when actually they don't need to, or, or sort of spread themselves too thinly?
2: Is 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 that a big risk that people should think Egos about? Egos
0: in fund management—that's never a thing, surely.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I hope not, and I hope whatever environment they're in, be it a big group, a small group, a boutique, um, you know, decisions aren't necessarily just driven from one person, but actually more from boards as well, and that they keep the direction um, to where they should be. I think that probably the crux of the issue for me is the capacity question. And if they've become famous, and that's led to a lot of fun flows, is can they continue to manage money in a way that they have articulated previously, and that is their natural philosophy? Um, can they continue to do that with large amounts of, of sums of money? Um, and it's a very difficult thing to judge, and normally we can only judge it in hindsight when it's all gone wrong. Um, there's a lot more work these days on looking at um, average daily volume, etc., and seeing how long it would take to liquidate a portfolio and using that as a capacity measurement. Um, I think the danger there is that a lot of these figures are done under normal market conditions um, and we really do need to think about more stressed market environments because the brilliant thing about liquidity is it's plentiful when you don't need it but it really dries up and it's scarce when you do need it and that is the danger. So I think the capacity thing is is probably the biggest problem in my mind, not necessarily the arrogance of the fund manager.
1: So from the idea of putting your money with a fund manager in the hope that they will help
2: uh, make you money
1: to the concept of actually a nice welcome surprise that you've actually got some money you didn't know anything about so laura this week i believe that you've been uh, having a good look at uh, the concept of finding lost investments or or receiving good news that you didn't know anything about
0: yeah how great would this be so um a billion pounds of shares and dividends has been reunited with its owners so lots of people and this is particularly where you've had paper share certificates um rather than having online dealing Um, a lot of people don't realize that they've got these either executors in um wills and estates don't realize that the person that's died had these um investments or individuals haven't notified about an address change and they've kind of lost touch with all of these investments and so there's a service that matches people up with these lost shares and investments and they've matched up a billion pounds worth with um, investors and one investor was reunited with six hundred thousand pounds of investments wow that's pretty good isn't it i mean how you can forget you've got that i don't know but i, know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, i've got five pound premium bond which i was given as a kid and i just cannot find the form anywhere i keep keep sort of hoping that I'm going to find it stuck down the back of a cupboard somewhere so I can go sort of like get in touch with the uh, national savings investments to say uh, you know PS I know you've been trying to look for me but yes I, I am here and you, that it's you magically may give me my prize. turned into
0: way more than five pounds <laughs> during that time but what you
1: yeah. can say what what if c- can anyone just uh, call up this service and say like I'm just going to chance it and think have I got anything um, in, with the hope there is something there that's been hidden away? Or, or have you actually got to have some sort of proof that you, you've Well, so the there's something was...
0: called the Unclaimed Assets Register and they've got details of unclaimed assets, as the name suggests. And so you can register with them and register your details and then they'll help you track down any other um, any kind of shares. But also the bonus on this is that you could be due lots of dividends over the years if you've had 10 years where you've not... Um, known about these investments, um, then you could have built up quite a lot of dividends on them. But there's also, it doesn't really stop at investments, there's um, the pension tracing service says there's 20 billion pounds worth of money sitting in pensions that people have forgotten about. So more than likely these are kind of where people have had small company pensions and then they've moved on to a different employer. Um, And then they've forgotten that they've got that small pot, but you can use the pension tracing service to find those. And then there's also something called My Lost Account which will help track your savings down.
1: Laura, you must have encountered this problem before, or are you quite good at making sure everything's in top order in your life?
0: Well, so interesting. I mean, obviously, my my family is in top order, but um, my nan passed away earlier this year, and we found some war bonds Ooh. in all of her documents. So money that I think was originally in the First World War that her father had bought. Um, where the government obviously wanted to raise money to pay for the war, and so they issued these war bonds, and she still had them, and obviously the address on them wasn't right. So I was tasked with tracking them down, thinking that this was going to be the family's millions. But unfortunately, any, it wasn't inflation-linked, so it was worth the same value, monetary value as back in 1919 or whenever it was.
1: Oh, dear, that's not good. No. Hmm. But... Something is better than nothing, I guess.
0: Exactly.
1: Yeah. So what other things have been catching your eye this week in the news?
0: So this week, John Lewis released their annual list of what we've been buying. And it's a really good indicator of kind of what's in fashion and what's out of fashion. Um, and so some of the things, so alarm clocks, they're out. No one uses alarm clocks anymore. Um Sales of those have dropped massively, according to John Lewis, and DVD players. So I think John Lewis are now actually going to stop or massively reduce the number of DVD players that they sell because there was a 40% fall in them. Crikey. Um, And so the things that are in are 70-inch TVs. That's apparently the new normal size of a TV. (laughs) (laughs) Um, which seems pretty massive to me corner sofas thanks to the world cup this year tv and sofas were being bought um and smart doorbells are on the rise so john lewis reported a near 400 percent rise in smart doorbells i'm presuming that's because they're a new thing and so that's coming from a pretty low base but these are the doorbells i think that have video cameras attached to them so you can see who's at your doorstep
1: i mean this is crazy it doesn't sound like my normal trip to the shops. Um, I went last weekend to just go and have, I, I try and minimize my shopping to as few trips as possible in the year, but I thought I'd have a good look around. Uh, I was actually amazed by how many people were out out and about on the high street um i'm quite sad and always think about stuff from an investment perspective and always trying to see the brands that are linked to companies on the stock market um so i popped into next and that seemed to be all right um and then i went into good old marks and spencers and i don't know there's been a lot of negativity about whether the, the company's doing well strategically but i've never seen so many people in there queuing up and constantly the tills were ringing so i don't know whether you Whether you can do a a sort of an acid test off just one shop when perhaps they've got a few more in the country. But um, it, it is quite interesting. And, of course, good old Blue Harbour, uh, which I'm sure is the gentleman's choice of fashion, um, seem to be going quite strong. So I guess I'll, I'll have a good look for when Marks & Spencer's next issue their results to see if my theory is right that um, things are bouncing back for them. Who I knows? think they're
0: becoming cooler. That or I'm becoming older. Or maybe both are true. But I definitely think among my friendship group, M&S is more popular, bit more th- trendy.
2: Yeah, I think so.
1: Simon, where do you do your shopping?
2: Um, I probably maybe going with the boring answers, mostly online really, um, although I do have a daughter of two, so a lot of it tends to be now kids shopping, so either junior clerks um, or Tesco's or Sainsbury's Clothes, um, indeed but I did actually um, buy a smart ring doorbell the other day, um, and I can announce I'm actually very happy with my purchase so far
0: <laughs> <laughs> You're part of the trend.
1: Very good, well that's everything for this week, um, if you've got any comments tips or areas you want us to talk about please do email us at podcast at ajbell.co.uk uk and if you enjoyed the podcast please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast thanks very
0: much thanks a lot thank you before you go please remember this podcast is for educational purposes and isn't telling you whether certain investments are suitable or not if you want help go see a qualified financial advisor the podcast talks about various money issues just don't forget that the value of investments can change and you can lose money as well as make it you should also recognise that how an investment performed in the past may not be the same as how it behaves in the future, and that tax rules apply.